Hi, everyone. This is David Cohen, and I'm here with my amazing co-host, Brad Feld. Hey, Brad. And this is the Give First podcast. And in the startup world, Give First means simply trying to help anyone, especially entrepreneurs, without any expectation of getting anything back. So we'll be talking to mentors and founders about what Give First looks like in action and how it makes great entrepreneurship possible. We polled everyone and they said consistently that their favorite part of the show was the legal mumbo jumbo. So here it is. The following discussion is an expression of personal opinion and does not represent the opinion of Techstars or any company we discuss. Our conversations for informational purposes only, including any mention of securities or funds. This is not legal business investment or tax advice and is not intended for use by any investor. Certain of Techstars funds own or may own in the future securities in some of the companies discussed in this podcast. Got it? I'm really excited to welcome Joy Taylor to the show today. Joy and I have met once or twice in group settings, but have never chatted live. So I'm really excited to get to know you a little bit. Joy, thanks for joining us. Wonderful. Thank you, David. Thanks very much for the invitation to be part of it. Tell us where in the world you're located. I am located in a very beautiful city called Toowoomba, which is in Queensland in Australia. And most people don't know where it is. But if I say, if you think of Australia, East Coast, about halfway down and about a two hour drive inland, that's where we are. Okay. When I think of Queensland, obviously Brisbane is probably the big smoke of that part of the area, I would guess. That's it. It's about an hour and a half from Brisbane. Okay. And I've been up to Karanda, so I've been throughout that region up and down a little bit. Yep. <laughs> Need to get back. It's been a while. So you're very involved there in Toowoomba, and I'd love to sort of learn a bit about what's going on in the community. As I understand it, it's roughly 100,000 people, pretty similar to Boulder, where I live, in terms of population. And I know that you've been working on the ecosystem there with many, many other people, I'm sure. Uh, sounds like it's going very well. So we'd love to hear about what's it like there? Uh, what are the support systems for entrepreneurs in that area? Yeah, so Toowoomba is, it's really lovely. And I've been to Boulder, so I have got some idea of the difference. We don't have quite the same mountains as Boulder, but we are up on a range. So we've got a really nice climate here. But when it comes to the ecosystem, it's really been evolving over the last few years. And as you said, it's definitely not just me. There's so many people involved, but my partner David and I were some of the first ones to recognize the opportunity that could come from pushing the ecosystem along a little bit. And now we're sort of six years into the journey that we've taken. And there's a lot of different things happening that are supporting all different types of people in our community and really looking at what's needed. There's a whole different range of things because of the type of landscape that we have. So we're on the edge of an agricultural area. So there's a lot happening in terms of food and agriculture. There's also a fair bit of mining happening in this area, so coal and gas and we want to make sure that whatever someone's wanting to do, whether they want to start something big in tech or not in tech or whatever, that there's someone around that can help them and that they can easily access those people. And we've been really fortunate that the local community, business community in particular, have really stepped forward when they're prompted to be part of that and, and part of helping each other, which has been really lovely to see that evolve. 
I think it's uh, amazing to watch over, you say, six years, but um, in 10 or 20, right, that the change in startup communities can be really dramatic. And that, I think that that can happen in a place as small as 100,000 people. We've seen that in Boulder. So I'm curious as to why you put that energy into the community. Is someone paying you lots and lots of money to do that? Or is that just a, a joy and a passion for you? <laughs> Definitely no lots and lots of money. <laughs> Definitely passions. My partner, David, he moved to the region about 10 years ago and discovered that there wasn't a lot of support there and he was looking for that because he was starting a new online business and it just wasn't there and we thought well there's so much happening in the world this is the forefront of a lot of digital technologies I'm always curious about new things and new tech myself and we thought it should be here we're not a tiny tiny town we're a a small city there should be something here and we didn't want to sit around and wait for someone else to do it if it hadn't happened someone needed to step forward and and we decided to do that in a couple of different ways and I think it was fortunate for me that David was fairly new to the city and when he wanted to meet somebody or get an introduction, he could come to me and I, I've lived here pretty much all my life. So I knew a lot of people and what they did, whether I went to school with them or maybe worked with them. And I was able to make some introductions there for him to go out and start having these conversations, which was great. But it evolved from there. And David read the sort of Bible of starting like you know, the startup communities book and and learn, you know, some of the things to do in order to be able to start to build the community around entrepreneurship and, and startups. And so we started to implement some of those things and then it became apparent that co-working space would be helpful to have as a place for people to meet and for some of these activities to happen on a regular basis. And from there, I became more involved once that was on the horizon. So I'm a, a career banker. I had over 20 years as a banker and a lot of different roles within my time in that, but business development and coaching and training was part of my career history in the banking system. Fortunately, in Australia, you're, I guess, lucky if you can stay in a career for a long time that they then give you money to not work for them, which is really nice. So I was able to take a year of paid leave and set up a co-working space and then start running a lot more activities and events without that needing to generate income for us. And part of that came from David's experience of starting his own business and not having that support network around him. But the other part came from the fact that in my role, I was an agribusiness banker in the end. And we'd been through drought here for more than 10 years. And a lot of my clients were really struggling and they needed to learn how to diversify their income streams, um, how to better connect with their end user customer so they weren't losing quite so much perhaps through the traditional process of selling their produce. There was a whole lot of scope there of what I knew and what we'd learned through David's business that we could help people in understanding what they could do and obviously around the connection piece again. But in my role in the bank, that wasn't what I was paid to do. I wasn't paid to help somebody improve their digital literacy at the time. (laughs) The banking system's changed a bit since then, but that wasn't part of my job. And I really wanted to do that. So when the opportunity came up to take that year of leave to open a co-working space, to start running these programs and events and start to bring more people in who had different skills, there was so much I needed to learn myself, but bring people together that had different skills that could share them, inspire other people, encourage them, 
that was something I couldn't say no to. So I was really fortunate to be able to have that time. Of course, there's a lot that goes into it, a lot of heart and soul and, and blood and sweat and tears and money. So we had to get good at finding money to be able to do things. But I was really fortunate for at least that first year, I didn't need to get paid. And then since then, for another couple of years, I didn't get paid, but but I do now. So that's nice. So, you know, you went a little crazy with it, Joy, because when I look at sort of all the things you have going on, so many of them are in this sort of vein of, of just giving first to the community. And I, I think it's a great example of how things can change quickly, but I kind of want to run through some of them and hear a little bit about the things that you're involved in. And I know there's other people involved and it's not just you, but I'll ask you to just sort of maybe talk a little bit about some of these things. We first, I think, ran into you, we tech stars broadly, because you were facilitating startup weekends, I believe. I don't know how many of those you've run there, but more than a few, right? Yeah, yeah, more than a few. And you've focused them largely on on women. You've tried to have sort of events that really attract women to them. So talk a little bit about why that focus and how Startup Weekend has really contributed there. So we actually ran our first Startup Weekend back in November 2014 here, and it was the very first time there'd been a Startup Weekend in our city. Since then, we've run about 10 here. So we try and do two a year most years. Then as part of that, I did become a facilitator. So I I saw like I was helping at the first event, just, just helping out and then stepped up to be probably more of an organizer for the next couple and then thought, uh, this is cool. I, I really like this. I'd love to do that more. I'd love to help other communities who want a startup weekend in their city and I can facilitate and they can organize and curate the event and I can come along and help them. So I, you know, did the training and had a practice and then from there I've been facilitating them and I'm really lucky I guess that I've been able to facilitate as a global facilitator so I've done half a dozen or so international startup weekends which has been awesome experience for me and I learn a lot through those some of those have been for women so not all of them and um, we've run a variety of different themed startup weekends here and some of the ones I've facilitated elsewhere have been themed as well maybe on tourism or, or something like that but Over the last couple of years, we really have stepped up the focus on female founders and women attending Startup Weekends. I still always preface that I think a good women's Startup Weekend has great men at it as well. So that's something that I'm always keen to to make sure that it's not actually just women only, but it's focused on women. And we do that through a variety of other programs as well. But with the Startup Weekends, it's been really awesome to see, I think because of the level of camaraderie that comes through those events on a more global level as well. And we were fortunate after running our first Startup Weekend Women here to take the team that won that event over to Bali for the Asia Pacific Startup Weekend Women event and seeing them meet people from China and from Vietnam and New Zealand and, and everywhere was really just an eye-opening experience for them and something that they'll never forget. That level of inclusivity in more of that global level has been wonderful and And since then, I've facilitated Startup Weekend Women in Vienna and also in Albania, in Tirana. And that, again, just expands my network, but also makes me learn how similar, but also how different it is for women in different places. It's incredible. I mean, for those that don't know, they're listening. Startup Weekend has its own incredible community of people 
that sort of contribute around the world, five, five 7,000 people that, that help organize and facilitate and run these events. And I think there are about a thousand a year. So it's, it's really mind boggling uh, how many of them happen and, and how impactful they are. It's people like you, Joy, that, that make them work. So thanks for doing it. They're so much fun. They're so worthwhile. <laughs> So that's one thing that's going on, but there's so many more. You staying on the topic of, of work you've done, maybe around helping women around entrepreneurship, been involved in something called the Wire Program, which I think has evolved or grown into the Flare Incubator. Would love to hear a little bit about that activity. For sure. When we started the co-working space, I actually started a thing called Mumpreneur Mondays. And it was a morning tea that we put on just to encourage women who wanted to start their own business or were running their own business to come together and share you know, what they were doing. And you would have a speaker each week and they'd bring their kids along and we'd have morning tea. And it was really lovely. And it made me realize at that point how women, even in my own community who, who look like me and sound like me in general, have such different backgrounds and different experiences and different levels of confidence. And I was able to see that by putting them in a position where they could start to experience something new, just how much growth they got from that. So even asking one mother to stand up in front of half a dozen other mothers and, you know, tell her story for some of them was a huge step. They'd never had to do that before. And they were running businesses like online businesses, but they, they'd never really had that opportunity. So seeing them take that and evolve as confident speakers about themselves and their business was really inspiring for me. And then from those, we were able to learn what would they like to learn more about? How would they like to be supported? And what did that look like? So we actually created our first program was called AIM, which was for accelerating innovative mumpreneurs. And it was more like a little boot camp. So it was kind of taking some of the things that we do in startup weekends around, you know, validation and looking at business models and pitching and putting that into a couple of day workshop or ran over about five days, but half day workshops over five days. And from that, again, we learned a lot around what was needed. And then the opportunity came because we were doing that to partner with a couple of other organisations here. So one is our local university, so the University of Southern Queensland and also the Queensland Rural Regional Remote Women's Network, so it's called QREN. So we partnered with them to create the WIRE program. So the WIRE program stands for Women in Rural, Regional and Remote Enterprise and it was a combination of research by the university program delivery by myself and network through QRN. So we were able to bring those strengths that we had and create this series of activities that women from all across our state could do. And we've got a fairly geographically large state, so it takes a long time to get from one side to the other. And we, we focused on going out and talking to women across the state initially running little roadshows, going out and talking to them about what did they want? How did they want to be supported? You know, what did that look like? And it came out that they wanted role models. They wanted to see the women who were doing things. They wanted to be able to learn how to do things better, particularly around efficiencies and automations within their businesses. And they wanted to really connect. And the other thing they wanted was to be held accountable. So they wanted someone to actually support and encourage them to keep going. So we created some two-day boot camps where we'd go out to different parts of the regions and, and run a physical in-person event and get them together. And that was led 
by that community. So we would find a leader in that community who was passionate about helping their own community. They would curate the actual couple of days in terms of getting people together and finding a venue and all of that sort of stuff. And then we would come and support. But what we really focused on doing there when I was facilitating those was ensuring that any of the mentors that we brought in wherever possible were actually from that local community. So even when I walked away from physically being there, that there was the start of that community support ecosystem being created. So we were really conscious to do that. So we've run about maybe a dozen or 10 or something like that. More than a few, yeah. More than a few. (laughs) Even though we could run them in different parts of the state, there were still all these women who maybe couldn't come together for two whole days or it was expensive, you know, they were a long way away. So on the accountability side, we created these things called hubs and they were an online program where people would sign up for 12 weeks and every week we'd dial in and we'd have, you know, a group of 20 or 25 women and then we'd break them into smaller groups of four to six and there'd be someone responsible in that group for keeping them to time. But they'd get to talk more in that smaller group and we'd workshop something as a bigger group and then they'd break out and talk about it. But that accountability and that support network was just amazing how much value they got from that. So that was really awesome. And they're still running. I'm not doing the WIRE program anymore, but it's still running. There were also online workshops and webinars and things that they could dial into on different topics as well. But it was those things that got that community to come together, even if they were geographically diverse, that was really valuable. And then from there, what we discovered was that that was great. And there were other things happening for women who were starting their own businesses or running their own businesses, but they were generally focused either on a geographical region or they were focused on domestic level business. But for anyone who wanted to do something that was bigger than that, that was international, where they wanted to maybe be exporting or they wanted to have a global audience, there just wasn't anything specifically for that. And while they could still get value from some of the other programs, they needed more specific help and specific connections either in their industry or in the country that they were looking to go to. So we discovered that about probably two and a half to three years ago. Since then, we've worked really hard to put together a program, but to raise the money to be able to run a program for that. And that's now the Flare Incubator as that next step for female-led, aspiring to be international, regional-based businesses. And it's underway now. So we've just gone through boot camp to select the participants who are going to go into this program, which is a 16-week program, kicks off at the end of the month and will run through till the end of the year. And it's just that next level. And we're super excited about it. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking like I am, wow, Joy is a force of nature, you know, all this stuff is going on and ecosystem building and there's more, right? I mean, you're obviously focused on creating opportunity uh, for everyone and you've got the coder dojo for kids, coding for kids. You've got the focus on migrants and refugees with, with zero to startup. So just so many activities that you're involved in. But your primary thing, if I'm not mistaken, is Canvas co-working. Is that right? That's right. Everything sort of is around the hub. It's around the space. Although it's almost two audiences that we have when we think about it, two communities, although they do definitely cross over. So the co-working space itself supports people who don't want to work from home. 
that want to be with other people, like-minded or, or not, but they just don't want to be working from home by themselves. And we've got remote workers and freelancers and small and micro businesses that work from here on a day-to-day basis. Basically, they pay the rent so that we can have a building with events and facility space to run everything else. And then we have an entire community so people can become a community member of Canvas Coworking. They may never come and work here. They may never even set foot in the door, but they're in that entrepreneurship space. They're the ones going, I need to learn how to do this for my business or I want to be connected with this person or I want some accountability to be able to stay on task. And maybe I've always worked in a corporate career and I've always had a boss who I checked in with on a regular basis. And now I don't have that because I'm working for myself. Can you help me? So we have now about 175 members, financial members of that side. And then on the co-working space side, you know, we've got about a dozen desks and a dozen offices. So they're all all occupied. Well, almost all. We've got one available, but <laughs> almost all occupied, which is great. You know, so there's there's always an energy here. And, you know, we run about 300 different events and activities and programs and things a year. So we're on the hop constantly where it's a, a constant evolution of what's working, what's not working, who's speaking today, who's running something. Yeah, constant. So it's an awful lot of good first on your part to the community. But I, I think things get forgotten in those stories. We see you and I'm sure your partner, David, right? Champions of the community doing so much, giving first in so many ways. But also the National Australia Bank, right, allowed you to begin to do some of that stuff. Other folks you've been around have given you the time and space to go and, and, and do that. And they deserve credit for giving first in that way, too. So I'm curious, with all that activity, I mean, how has it come back to you from the community in, in unexpected ways? You know, this is the beauty of giving first, right, is you don't really know how it's going to benefit you or where it's going to come from. But one observation I would have is, you know, I, I don't have any idea if you have desire or interest, but you're probably in a position in the community now where you're known and understood. And theoretically, there could be a venture fund or something like that someday or other ways that the community would ask you to continue to you know, play this role. So how has it come back to you and how do you think it will over time? It's a great question. I think there's so many different levels to it. I'm super grateful for all of those who've given first to us as well to get us started. Even, you know, someone gave us space to use to, to trial the space, which was awesome because Canvas Coworking is a not-for-profit organization. So we don't own it. We'll never sell it as such. It'll transition and pass to someone else. And we have wonderful members of our community who they, because I've finally allowed them to <laughs> enter my space in the same way, but man, our, our front desk, our concierges, so they're called Canvas Concierges, and they're here every day. They open, they welcome people, they close at the end of the day, they set up rooms and make sure everything's clean and and all of that sort of stuff, which is awesome because that's now allowing me to do so much else. And I think that's for me where it's coming back to me now is that these programs that we're running, these opportunities that I'm getting, I mean, yesterday I was able to not be here. I drove to Brisbane. I met a new cohort of people that are in a program that I'm helping facilitate that are new to Australia or relatively new to Australia and they want to start their own businesses. So, you know, we're working with them. Those sorts of opportunities for me are how I see that coming back. And I love to travel 
and things like going to the Techstars Summit in Italy last year or going to facilitate startup weekends in other countries and getting to meet those people. Occasionally, I've literally flown in and flown out, but usually I get to hang around for a bit and, you know, meet people in the community and and go for a hike in the mountains or or whatever it is that I want to do as well. So I think there's just so much scope in what we've created here for us to be able to invite other people to be part of it, but for me to then go and be invited to go and be part of that in other communities as well and and then bring that back. And it's just that circle of evolution of best practices and ideas and, and those sorts of things which excite me. And it's interesting that you mentioned the Venture Fund. Having a background in finance, it's always been on my mind. It's actually something that I've shied away from because I just see so much else that needs to happen and I really want someone else to step up and do that. It'll come to the point where if nobody does, I probably will. I'm part of the SHEEO network, if you're familiar. So SHEEO started in Canada, it's spreading around, but I'm an activator for that program. So again, that's another network that I've discovered through just being part of this more global ecosystem. And again, I get so much value from that. I mean, we have a weekly call where we dial in and we catch up with women from different parts of the world who are working on awesome things. It's just inspiring and it makes you keep going. And I guess uh, you mentioned Coda Dojo a little before as well. So I do like tech. I love new gadgets. I love learning things. I'm in a program at the moment myself, learning to code better. So, you know, that it could be something that I can actually use professionally in the future. You know, that type of opportunity I I may never have heard of if I wasn't part of this ecosystem and and taken advantage of that. Um, You know, it's a six month program that's fully funded that I get to learn and I get to meet all these wonderful people. And it's just incredible and handed in my Python assignment last week. So I was a bit excited about that. But with Go to Dojo, it's a free program. The kids can come along. We've got all different types of kids. Some can't read yet. Some English is like their fifth language and they've been here for five minutes in the country, you know, but they still come along and they get involved and they meet other kids. And it's all about learning to create with technology. They're learning from their peers. They're watching each other and doing different things. And and just this weekend, actually, the team I mentioned before that won our first Startup Weekend Women, that then went to the Asia Pacific and they pitched there and they actually won there as well. They're awesome people. And they've started their company. It's a functioning company now and they had a new product and they're building electronic kits for girls and they brought one in and it's this beautiful printed circuit board and you snap the pieces out and you assemble them and you solder in the switch and the battery and the LED light. And it's this little cat that sits like a little bedside lamp and it's got a a light sensor on it. So when it's dark, it'll come on and glow and it's a prototype. So they wanted some testing on it and some feedback. So one of the young girls that was here for Coda Dojo did that. And we were able to take some photos and video of her talking about what she was doing and giving some feedback about it. But For me, it's just so exciting and I think that's what I get from it. I just love seeing people take something that they really want to do, learning the skills, getting the connections, making it happen and then feeding that back in to wherever it fits back into our network and into our ecosystem to help other people grow from there as well. So even if it's just coming along like Tuesday morning this week, we have a regular breakfast and we have someone come and share their story. And again, it just inspires people. Do you know the name of the, the company that you were talking about with the girls that sort of won? Yeah, they're called Elkie Education. So E-L-K-E-I Education. 
Well, we'll put it in the show notes so people can click on it. You you open the door when you reflect on all of these things and you sort of put them together and think about the impact and what's happening in the community. You know, I think we asked you a question like this at our, our global uh, summit in Italy. And I think if I remember right, you got a little choked up answering it. But what is the impact really like um, when you stop and think about, you know, put all these things together, how the community is changing and the impact you're having? What is it like to be in the middle of all that and really see it evolve? It's incredible. And I do, I get emotional talking. (laughs) It's like my kids, you know, I've got all these 200 kids, but you see them and you just see what they're doing. And I facilitate a program that's called Mira, which is a mining program. And it's people who have a startup in the mining sector or energy sector. And, you know, you just watch them evolve. And when I first ran that program, because I'm particularly passionate about climate change and environment. I studied climatology at university and that's where I'm interested. And then I'm thinking, why am I running this mining program? But it's that fully encompassing, you don't know someone until you actually spend time with them and you don't know why they're doing something until you talk to them and you ask them. And hearing those stories and how that does come about, but then seeing those relationships. I mean, I remember the first time that I saw one of our residents here, we'd run a a youth event. So kind of like a startup weekend, but a bit more hands-on workshoppy. They still had to pitch and everything, but it's called Founder Fest. And we ran that for youth and we had these young adults come and participate and we had some of our residents in our community come along as mentors and obviously they got to meet them and and talk to them. And one of the, I'll say kids, but he was a young man that had been a participant and one of the mentors kind of bonded and found this common level. And then two weeks later, I saw them, I'd gone out the front of the co-working space and they were walking down the street together. And I thought, oh, that's cool. They're catching up. Maybe they going for a coffee or something. And then I realized that he'd actually employed him. He'd got a job. It was an app development startup that was working here. And this young fellow was obviously interested and now he was working for them. So it's those types of things. And they happen all the time. Like they're always happening. And one of the teams that's in our Flare program hasn't been announced to the public yet. But anyway, um, one of the teams that's come into the Flare incubator that went through the boot camp last week and is successful, those two ladies met at one of our events where we had another lady as a guest speaker and they were both interested in what she was doing. So they come along, they met at that event, they went out for a coffee afterward, they've now formed a company, they've created their product, they've done all the hard work in making it what they want it to be. And it's going well domestically and now they're looking to take it international. And that's been within a couple of years. So it's those sorts of things. And I maybe haven't answered the question, but that's what I see happening day in, day out. And it's just incredible. You get real joy just from seeing the success and you know progress of others. And I want to get to our favorite segment. It's how we wrap up. We call it rapid fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to ask you a, a quick question. Uh, looking for you know maybe 15 seconds, uh, quick answers. We'll hit a bunch of them. Then you can say pass, but just sort of for fun. Where's a place in the world that you think everybody should visit eventually? Toowoomba, Australia. Okay, I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> uh, it's on my list for sure. Um, how about a startup that you've run across, you know, either locally there or anywhere in the world that you think is going to change things that people should really pay attention to? You can promote anybody. Yep. Uh, world's biggest garage sale. Awesome. World's biggest garage startup. sale. We'll link it. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. A nonprofit that you think people should check out that's doing really interesting work. Uh, here locally, Protea Place. And what do they do? They're a women's center. And then how about a book you've read that you think entrepreneurs would all benefit from? Oh, so many. Um, but I've just finished reading The Moment of Lift by Melinda Gates. 
that was really inspiring. Okay. And this is the big one. How many people do you think will figure out how to message or email you and encourage you to start a venture fund? <laughs> one. <laughs> no, <laughs> probably a few more than that. I'm going to go uh, four. I, I'm just going to go four. A joy. Uh, it has been a joy. Uh, you are awesome. Uh, I, I called your force of nature earlier. I'm even more convinced of that. Um, thank you for everything you're doing to build the startup community there. Uh, I know that has impacts across Australia and the world with the other work you're doing around Startup Weekend and more. So really enjoyed talking to you. Thanks for being on the show and thanks for everything you do. Wonderful. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to chat. Thanks a lot for listening to the show today. We'd love to hear your feedback, ideas, or who you'd like to hear next on Give First. And please leave a rating and review, ideally a good one, and reach out anytime to podcasts at techstars.com or on Twitter, I'm at David Cohen. See you next time. Don't forget, give first.